Hello, Kubernetes community, and welcome back to another episode of the Pod Control Podcast. Uh, Brian and I, uh, we, we had some uh, travel going on last week and, and some craziness, so we, we missed a few uh, a few episodes here. But to make up for it, we have uh, we, we brought two guests on today. That's right. Yeah. So uh, th- this week's kind of a crazy week for us, obviously, with, with Red Hat Summit going on, uh, both Red Hat Summit, uh, OpenShift Commons gathering. Um, you know, there, there's a ton of, of announcements going on and, and a lot of things coming out from you know, both us, but our, you know, the partner ecosystem from customers and stuff. So we thought we would, uh, we would dig into probably what's going to be the biggest set of announcements and, and topics, which is, um, everybody's curious as to what's been going on with the CoreOS acquisition. So, uh, very excited to have both Joe Fernandez, uh, senior product, uh, senior director of product management and Reza Shafi, uh, again, senior director of product management, formerly of CoreOS. Uh, both of you guys joining us, uh, Joe and, and Reza, welcome to the show. Hey there. Hey, thanks. Um, so before we before we dive into the announcements, um, why don't you guys uh, give us a little bit of of uh, you know introductions to yourself so we can put some names with with voices, but also maybe just give us a, a real brief Joe. Maybe give us a brief uh, synopsis of what's been going on um, between the, the the former CoreOS team and the the Red Hat OpenShift team since the announcement was announced in uh, or the acquisition was announced back in January. Great. Yeah. So this is Joe Fernandes. I run the product management team for OpenShift, um, and I've been working with Reza uh, uh, as well as with the entire OpenShift and CoreOS product team and engineering teams um, since the announcement. Right. So uh, at the end of January, we announced that Red Hat had acquired uh, uh, CoreOS, um, and pretty much since that day, uh, we've been working hand in hand, kind of planning out the future of how. Uh, how the CoreOS technologies and, and commercial solutions would come together with the Red Hat portfolio and, and specifically OpenShift to really bring sort of a, a unified uh, solution to market. And so I know we'll get into some of the details on, on this call, but we're really excited uh, given sort of, you know, uh, our shared sort of leadership in Kubernetes, uh, in containers, uh, and really I think as you'll see the complementary nature of our products, uh, of you know, things where uh, OpenShift was strong, where Red Hat was strong, and also things where uh, Tectonic and, and CoreOS was strong, really, I think, will come together nicely to, to create a very powerful solutions for our customers. Yeah, Reza, what about what about you? Give give folks a little bit of, of your background and and uh, how you've been working through the the acquisition transition. Yeah, sure. So this is Reza Shafi, I was VP of Product at. CoreOS running the product team and been working with Joe and his team as well as the engineering teams on the Converge platform, which we'll talk a lot more about during this podcast. It's been great being at Red Hat and, you know, in many ways, um, things we'll be talking about are really just things that naturally flow from everything we've been doing at CoreOS and everything that OpenShift has been doing and really having synergies between the two come together. As we'll dig in, you'll see, I think that's, that'll be obvious. Very cool. So, um, you know, there's usually kind of two pieces when, when acquisitions happen, right? You know, people want to know, like, what what about now? You know, what if I'm a CoreOS com- customer? You know, what happens now? And then, you know, the, the next look is always forward, uh, further out. You know, what are the long-term plans around this? So, so I was wondering if one of you could kind of talk about what has been the focus, uh, what you've been working on, both both near-term and longer-term. So, 
not just the the Kubernetes stuff, um, you know, the the OpenShift and Tectonic and those pieces, um, but also the the operating system side. So obviously, you know, Red Hat, Rel, Atomic, and then uh, CoreOS, Container Linux, and all those types of things. Sure. So I guess I'll I'll start. And um, again, this is Joe. Uh, so you know, as with any acquisition that Red Hat does, you know, we we fully commit uh, to. Uh, to making customers whole, to, to uh, that are part of that uh, that were part of that acquired entity, and nothing's changed here. So, so uh, the existing CoreOS customers are now Red Hat customers, um, and they had uh, some great solutions, including CoreOS Tectonic, CoreOS Container Linux, and CoreOS Quay. Um, and then, uh, and then communities that were also part of that as well, right? So upstream communities that uh, that drove these products, and so. Together, uh, you know, Rez and I are, are charting a path forward uh, on how uh, those communities uh, and commercial technologies will become part of the Red Hat portfolio. Um, this actually starts uh, this week at KubeCon with some announcements we're making on the community side. So I'm going to let Reza talk about that, and I can come back and talk about some of the commercial products. Yeah, thanks, Joe. So, yes, I think this is exciting because at KubeCon this week, we're about to make a couple of really important announcements. They're all based around the concept of operator, which is something that CoreOS introduced a while ago. I think it was about a year and a half, two years ago. And it's this concept that to run any kind of complex workload on Kubernetes, there's a lot of domain knowledge required. Um, and really to make sure that that, that workload runs in an in a automated way, in a way that's um, just day two operation ready, uh, ideally you need to automate all these concepts. And so we had been doing that at CoreOS for a while because we, we've been making sure that the, uh, the CoreOS's Kubernetes platform has, been, has all of these operation, automated operation capabilities. So we built operators for Kubernetes itself, and we had built operators for um, components on top of it, such as etcd, Prometheus, and even Vault. But as we had done that, we really learned that the complexities of Kubernetes itself can be abstracted, and we can enable people who have knowledge for the applications that run on top of Kubernetes to really focus on automating the operations and building operators for their services instead of having to deal with the nitty gritty and the details of Kubernetes and having to become Kubernetes experts. And because of that, we're now saying next, uh, this week actually, the operator framework at KubeCon. And the operator framework is an open source project and it allows people to build operators very easily that run on any Kubernetes platform. It consists of three components right now. One is called the Operator SDK, which as the name suggests, is the software development kit that allows you to build operators. So it has APIs and, and a tool for packaging operators. And then the second component is the Operator Lifecycle Manager. And that's really, think of it as the runtime part of managing operators. As you deploy operators on a Kubernetes cluster, it's really, complex to figure out how many instances of the services that spawn from the operator you have. Um, what version are they at? How do you push update for a given set of them? And the operator last cycle manager allows you to do that. And then finally, we're also um, announcing the operator metering as part of the overall operator framework project, which is the component that allows you to meter usage of operators 
uh, and correlated to cost when it's running on AWS. So very important announcement and, and, and a big project that's really a combination of all the operator work that CoreOS has been doing for a while now. Very cool. Very cool. And, yeah. And now I was just going to say okay. for anybody, just going to say for anybody who maybe is is picking up on this episode, um, you know, definitely go back and listen to episode thirty three. We sat down with uh, with Brandon Phillips, who uh, was CTO at CoreOS, and we really went in depth uh, with with operators um, as he announced it at, at KubeCon. So if you really want to dig into the operator concept, and again, there'll be lots more information, but definitely listen to episode thirty three as well as this one. Go ahead, Joe. Yeah, I was just going to. I was just going to add that uh, you know the operator framework and service operators in general are really a part of the the overall theme for how the CoreOS uh, portfolio and, and OpenShift are coming together, and that's the theme of full stack automation. Uh, when you look at you know any Kubernetes platform, whether it's OpenShift, Tectonic, or, or any other, uh, you really realize that there's there's a stack there, right? And and really three main layers of the stack. You know the the foundation being Linux itself. Linux operating system, uh, Kubernetes then running on that operating system to enable distributed services uh, across a cluster of hosts, um, and then uh, the actual uh, end-user consumable services that run on top. Uh, and Reza mentioned a few of those services like you know, Vault and FTB, but there's also different middleware and database and uh, application frameworks, other services that people are running on top of Kubernetes. It turns out you need to operate all three layers of that stack, right? Um, so, uh, so the operator framework and service operators are focused on the top layer, right? The services that run on top of Kubernetes, each of which has their own operational needs and they have their own ad- administrators. When you think of uh, a database administrator versus a middleware administrator versus uh, a vault administrator, et cetera, each of them has uh, operational tasks and uh, the need to be able to automate those on top of Kubernetes uh, is something that's important for each of those services and those service owners. Uh, but then we're also doing work uh, around integrating automation of the platform layer and the host layer. So the ability to automate, uh, uh, further automate the, the deployment of uh, of the Kubernetes platform and then remotely manage it over the air, right? That that was a key characteristic of Tectonic. And one of the things that we're bringing from Tectonic into OpenShift is this notion of uh, full, fully automated uh, platform and host operations. So Tectonic also then ran on top of Container Linux, of course, Container Linux, and, and we want to bring that uh, full-stack automation from the host to the platform and then up to the services to OpenShift customers, um, and also, which are now, will also be uh, Tectonic customers as we bring uh, OpenShift and Tectonic together under one solution. Could you go um, a little bit more into the uh, the OS side? I know, uh, you know, kind of talking a lot about platforms, but uh, this, is, this is something I think there was a a brief scare after the initial uh, acquisition announcement that people got the impression that Coral, Coral, uh, Container Linux was kind of going away, and, and Red Hat quickly jumped out and said, "No, no, no, that's not the case." Uh, can you can you can you give a little more, more details yeah. about what's happening there? Sure, I can I can do that. Uh, and again, that that's part of what we're announcing this week. Um, CoreOS Container Linux is a big part of this story. Uh, we're actually rebranding that as Red Hat CoreOS. Um, and that'll be Red Hat's, uh, you know, fully immutable container-optimized Linux host distribution uh, for OpenShift uh, and, and containers customers and so forth. So, um, so folks who are familiar with OpenShift and Red Hat know that OpenShift ran on on two different 
options. You had two different options for the operating system. You had uh, the full Red Hat Enterprise Linux operating system, and that appeals to existing RHEL customers as well as customers who want a traditional RPM managed, um, you know, comprehensive uh, Linux host distribution to run their containers and to run Kubernetes on top of, right? And so we are continuing that forward. OpenShift will continue to run on full RHEL. Uh, OpenShift also had an immutable option at the host in RHEL Atomic Host. Uh, so RHEL Atomic Host, which came out of Project Atomic, was Red Hat's version of a container-optimized, fully immutable host offering. What we've done is we've taken the Atomic team and kind of merged them into the CoreOS Container Linux team. Uh, and that is something that we're now bringing to market as Red Hat CoreOS. So again, when as an OpenShift user, uh, you'll have a choice. Uh, you can have a mutable um, you know, traditional RPM distro in RHEL or Red Hat Enterprise Linux, um, and then a fully automated uh, container optimized uh, immutable distribution in Red Hat CoreOS. Um, and so we are we are taking that forward and investing in that because we really see that as uh, part of the bright future of Linux itself, uh, which is again the foundation uh, of all these platforms. Yeah, I, so I know one of the things that that came out of the uh, the acquisition, and I know both of you spent a ton of time you know, just going and talking to customers, both uh, Tectonic customers and OpenShift customers, was this this um, essentially from the Tectonic existing tectonic customers was you know uh we, we love the the ability to really have kind of cluster level operator visibility of what's going on um you know kubernetes is is coming out every quarter you know the ability to kind of have push button updates um can you talk a little bit about you know what what new is coming from an operator perspective in terms of greater visibility simpler operations and, and kind of you know d- does this concept of, of operators fit at a platform or, a, or an operations perspective as well. Yeah, I could talk about that, and maybe Reds can fill in some of the details. But yeah, I mean, when you look at a platform like OpenShift, right? There, there is a platform operator, you know, somebody who's responsible for installing the OpenShift platform, for managing it, for running upgrades, uh, and and so forth. Um, and then, um, and then, you know, that platform is then. Uh, made available to end-user developers who are who are deploying their own apps and developing uh, on top of OpenShift, right? Um, the the challenge we've always had is, you know, how can we continue to make that operator's life easier? How can we make uh, that administrator uh, more productive? So we had already been investing quite a bit in our install and upgrade technology, which is based around uh, around Ansible, um, and um, and we had plans to do more in the upcoming. Uh, year uh, around that. Um, the CoreOS acquisition has really helped us to accelerate that uh, because they brought some some unique technology we feel in the market uh, uh, to drive greater degrees of automation. I'll give you a couple of examples. Uh, in the CoreOS tectonic uh, world, uh, you weren't just automating the deployment of tectonic, but also the configuration of the provider underneath, right? So when you deploy tectonic to Amazon, the first thing that their installer did was set up Amazon for you and then deploy uh, Tectonic on top of that. Now, that is a capability that we're bringing to OpenShift, uh, not only for AWS, uh, but for uh, for other providers as well. So we'll probably start with AWS and OpenStack initially, but our plan is to, to bring that to more uh, cloud providers to help with the configuration of 
what runs underneath OpenShift and underneath Linux. Um, then, you know, once you have a platform provision, you have to be able to do updates, right? Uh, well, you know, uh, with Kubernetes, as Brian mentioned, you know, updates are coming out pretty frequently. So every three months for a new Kubernetes point release, um, and then uh, obviously uh, patches and bug fix releases, these streams in between. Um, so we want to be able to leverage some technology that CoreOS had developed around remote over-the-air updates. And essentially, you can view this as a tether from your OpenShift clusters back uh, to Red Hat, uh, where we can then uh, kind of help you keep watch over them and notify you of when a new version is available, which you can then choose to uh, to accept automatically or, or based on your schedule, um, so that essentially you're getting uh, the benefit of uh, Red Hat's expertise real time, right? And uh, I've used the analogy of a cell phone, right? When, when you're when Apple or, or one of the Android providers tells you it's time to upgrade your phone, uh, you get a notification, you click a button, or you accept it automatically, um, and your phone gets updated. We want to bring that type of experience uh, for our platform uh, administrators. That's over-the-air updates. Um, and then there's just the, you know, the day-to-day administration. So, so CoreOS had, uh, had a console that was geared towards operators, so uh, a, a web console whereas OpenShift had a console that was more geared towards end-user developers. And so we're bringing those together. So if you log in as an administrator, uh, you'll now see uh, a new console or an enhanced console that has uh, some of these tectonic capabilities for seeing what's going on with your cluster, uh, having you know an expanded set of Prometheus metrics to monitor your nodes and your masters and so forth, um, and you know, capabilities. When you log in as a developer, uh, you'll see uh, a more user-centric console, which is uh, kind of based on uh, the OpenShift uh, console that we've had. So those are just a, f- a few examples of, of things that we're, we're providing uh, uh, through this integration to make the administrator's live easier. Um, and that's just the platform, uh, you know, Reza was talking earlier about then the, the service owners who are running stuff on top of the platform and helping their jobs. But, I don't know if you want to expand on any of that or if there's anything I missed, but those are some of the highlights for me. I would just make a general statement that is, I think as, a, as an overall team, what we found as we were digging into how to bring the best of both platforms together, one of the things we noticed is that the CoreOS Tectonic platform was focused very much on the infrastructure administrator and infrastructure owner's perspective. And then OpenShift brought a lot of great capabilities around the developer and application owner perspective. And as we converge the two platforms, you're going to see the two things come together. So, for example, we're going to be showing a demo on stage um, at the keynote uh, where you'll see the two consoles come together and where you'll see um, the front end. Uh, of the store, as I like to call it, where you can come in and as a developer or uh, application owner, browse the services through OpenShift's service broker catalog and start provisioning those. But we'll show also how you can go back and see in the back end an administrator's perspective to see how that service is operated by an operator built using the operator SDK and is very easily manageable and see how that operator starts load balancing a particular type of data, um, um, big data technology in that case. So it's very exciting to see the the two sides really come together and complement each other. Very cool. Very cool. Um, 
one uh, one other area that we we haven't really talked about was you know we mentioned uh, container Linux and uh, and Tectonic from the CoreOS side and where that's fitting in is uh, we haven't talked about Quay the the CoreOS um, advanced registry uh, enterprise level registry what's what's happening with that is that being folded into OpenShift is that is that being is that going to stay standalone what, what's happening there yeah so uh, again I, you know that's another key asset from from the CoreOS portfolio was CoreOS Quay uh, and uh, Quay Enterprise and Quay.io, and we absolutely are carrying that forward. So uh, so CoreOS Quay will become Red Hat Quay, um, and Red Hat Quay will be available as a software solution uh, for folks who want to deploy their own enterprise registry, uh, you know, in their data center or in the cloud. Um, and then we'll also have uh, Quay.io carried forward. Quay.io is our hosted uh, service, so our, our hosted uh, registry uh, running in the cloud that, that we manage on your behalf. So both uh, Red Hat Quay and, and Quay.io are uh, carrying forward. Uh, as you mentioned, uh, OpenShift actually included its own uh, basic registry. So part of the OpenShift solution was uh, a standard Docker registry that allowed you to perform basic tasks, pull images, push images, uh, manage them. Um, but many customers were already using OpenShift with uh, what I'd consider to be enterprise registries like Quay, um, as well as other third-party enterprise registry solutions from vendors like Artifactory, sorry, JFrog with Artifactory, uh, Sonatype with Nexus, and so forth. So this was already uh, a part of, uh, of our story. Uh, in fact, we actually had OpenShift customers that were using OpenShift from Red Hat together with Quay from CoreOS. So now we're happy to, to offer that as part of our solution. It will be uh, an optional add-on uh, to OpenShift, uh, so you can get Red Hat Quay and, and add it to your OpenShift environment, uh, but you'll also be able to use that standalone because we know some people, uh, all they need is a registry, or maybe they're gonna start with the registry to manage their images, um, and then maybe expand onto a full container platform after the fact. So that, that's the plan for Quay. Yeah. Hey, hey Reza, I want to I want to follow up on one thing. I know we've <clears throat> we talked a lot about um, you know we're going to make the the platform easier to operate. Some of the core services in, in Kubernetes have already become operators. Um, if I'm a if I'm an ISV, so I'm a I don't know a database vendor or a storage vendor or you know anybody who makes kind of complex maybe stateful software. What's how do I come to understand what operators? do for me or what are some of the things maybe we're doing for for isvs to make it easier to deploy and and manage and operate their software on on openshift yeah yeah so i think you know the way i would answer that question is that first it's important to really understand that there is a spectrum of capabilities that operators can take care of that that operators can automate um and it, it begins with the very simple and goes all the way to the really complex stuff right and so if you begin with the simple stuff the automation is about installation. It's really about the ability to provision the instances of a service and provide configuration management around it. And the great news here is that with the operator framework, as long as you have a Helm chart describing your um, set of applications that, that come together to form the service, then you can really just create an operator pretty much with not, not, not writing any code. Um, you can you can point to your Helm chart and it can automatically act as an operator uh, for automated provisioning and configuration management and work with the operator uh, lifecycle management capabilities that we have. Now, as 
things get more sophisticated. So as you think about, well, I need to make sure I automate updates and apply uh, minor patches or um, security updates. Or as you think about, well, I need to have some type of um, data load balancing or type of some type of uh, self-tuning capabilities. Then you will need to start building the operator to be more sophisticated. And that's where you can use the operator SDK, which is the, the Go SDK, to actually expand that. But as an ISV, you can get started uh, with pretty much a Helm chart around your services um, and then start using the SDK um, and really focus on the domain expertise that you have. The, the interesting thing is that a lot of the ISVs we've already talked to have already started doing this stuff. They might or might not have actually done it uh, the operator way, which really makes extensibility of Kubernetes um, really much easier and, and more consistent and coherent. Uh, but this just allows them to take that logic that they might have already started in running their stuff on, on Kubernetes and make it run in a lot more effective way and, and really go faster. Yeah. I, I mean, is it, is it, is it a stretch to say, you know, if I'm an ISV, um, obviously you'd like to have their, they'd like to have their software deployed everywhere. Um, you know, if, if they think about, okay, if I deploy it on this cloud versus that cloud versus another, you know, there, there's always going to be nuances and differences between them. I mean, is this potentially going to give them kind of one consistent way to deploy, uh, their application kind of regardless of where the cloud is for, you know, for, for, you know, getting to their customers. I mean, it seems like this is going to become that kind of consistent abstraction layer across any cloud environment. Yeah, great point. So Kubernetes, as you know, creates that abstraction layer on on cloud environments. Mm -hmm. But then with an operator, what that gives ISVs is the ability to then easily just have the same service run on any cloud and completely decouple themselves. And and really, you know, um, I think this is going to be great for enterprise customers or our enterprise customers because they have had to choose between the simplicity uh, that large cloud provider services gives them uh, but at a cost which is really stickiness um, and this great array of open source uh, services that are supported by great vendors uh, without you know necessarily the simplicity and automation that comes with the cloud services and with an operator backed model they get to have their cake and eat it too, because all the services can then run on any Kubernetes um, and have all the automation and simplicity of the cloud provided. So a great point, Brian. Yes. Well, listen, guys, um, we're going to we're, we're going to have to wrap up here in, in a second. Um, I guess one one last question. So, you know, uh, anytime Red Hat Summit comes along, um, you know, there's a, there's a ton of big announcements and people are trying to figure all these things out. Um, you know, Joe, you know, what, what's, what's sort of the, the couple, two or three takeaways that, that you hope, you know, both customers as well as like ISV partners take away from kind of where we've, where we've gone with, with the core OS integration and, and where it's, where it's going to evolve to over the next three, six, nine months, 12 months. Yeah, sure. So, so for the last, you know, few years now, actually Red Hat's been talking about our open hybrid cloud strategy about bringing, uh, solutions to market that can span uh, both uh, multiple uh, data, uh, multiple footprints, including uh, footprints in your data center, as well as across multiple public clouds. Uh, OpenShift uh, and uh, containers are a big part of that, right? Uh, you know, containers and Kubernetes on top of Linux provide uh, that uh, multi-cloud abstraction. Uh, and we see customers really gravitating to that because, um, you know, inevitably customers don't run all their applications in one place. 
so you know increasingly those applications are moving into the public cloud but there's still uh, a ton of apps that run in the data center and then as you move more apps to the public cloud uh, inevitably you may start looking at multiple public clouds um, and not just for infrastructure but but for services as well so we think red hat's a, a real enabler of that uh, we think that uh, OpenShift and, uh, and containers are a huge enabler of that. And, you know, again, the CoreOS acquisition just shows our commitment to that strategy, uh, our commitment to OpenShift, uh, our commitment to, to Kubernetes and containers, uh, because, you know, with uh, CoreOS on board, we're bringing a ton of engineering talent, a ton of product talent, uh, and uh, a number of like-minded folks who are going to help us pursue that opportunity, uh, both for ourselves, uh, and then together with our partners, because the, the demand is there, um, and that demand uh, isn't something that, that's just exclusive to Red Hat. It's something that all ISVs uh, need to respond to, uh, and we think we can help, uh, again, through our, through our ecosystem, through our partner programs, uh, help, uh, help partners also respond to that demand uh, by bringing uh, their services uh, to the hybrid cloud on top of OpenShift. So, yeah, there'll be a number of announcements next week uh, at Summit, um, we've covered one of the big ones, but you know, you'll hear a lot more from other product teams as well as uh, from some of our partners around how we're, we're moving forward together. Very cool. Well, listen, uh, Reza and Joe, thank you guys so much for your time. I know everybody's busy in the, in the, the lead up to the event as well as the event and so forth. Um, so thank you so much for the time today, all the updates about what, what we're doing to, to integrate CoreOS, uh, into the OpenShift platform, kind of, you know, how to bring the best of those things together. So folks, as always, thanks for listening and we will talk to you next week.